yeah, the squad is on the case to find the cop's missing daughter. But if this if the case gets sloppy, this is Twisted, a normal SCU podcast. How y'all doing? This is VD Rose, and you're listening to the Twisted, a Lord of Order SEU podcast. Now, my name is Brian. You know, I'm from New York City. You already know about that, right? All right. So, um, how was your weekend, everybody? I know, I know. The good things for me is that the good news is I got finally got heat in my apartment because for the past couple of weeks it was chilly, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about. I'm not talking about chili from the group TLC. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just, so right now I'm glad, you know, I mean, good thing I survived, you know, I wore I wore extra later layers, I have blankets on and sheets, so I'm good. So I ain't gonna worry about that though. I'm a patient guy and all that stuff though. So I know this is December right now, so and um I did heard on the news that there was a blizzard in Hawaii. Did you hear about that? Well, well, I did, though. I mean, it's unusual for Hawaii to have a blizzard and stuff like that, though. I mean, I only saw this one building that was covered covered in snow, and that's about it. But I never got the, got the chance to see the residents and all that stuff, though. So enough about that, though. So anyway, so once again, you're listening to Twisted, a Lord Order SVU podcast, where I recap and break down episodes of Law and Order SVU starting from season one. Right, so, and you know, I was gonna be a little bit humorous sometimes, you know. I mean, and I want to say, I want to say to listeners to thank you for listening in. So, I got some law and order news, law and order news to tell you. There was this guy, he was disrupting the filming of SVU at Washington, Washington Square Park last week. Okay, so um, it was on Twitter and other social media, and um, Mariska Hargitay, you know, she came in and, and diffused the situation nicely. I mean, she didn't get mad and stuff like that, so. And uh, she took it, she, she brought it cool and stuff like that, though. So here's what happened. They got, they, 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 all right, there they were in Washington Washington Square Park um, filming a scene, and all of a sudden this guy was singing, disrupting the set. Yo, dude, this is not American Idol, all right? Though they be you know these actors, they just busy working on a scene, and you're interrupting them. I mean, did he did it by accident or was he trying to get attention? However, though, um, um, Mariska Harkatay, aka Detective, uh, no, no, Captain, excuse me, Captain Benson, though. She took it in a stride saying, we're actors. Are we supposed to be concentrating on our craft and stuff like that? And she was like, I am. I am. You know, I am boss. You know what I mean? And then she wasn't mad, you know. Just She said it in a professional manner. That they tell them that we're actors. You know, we working on days we trying to get the scene done with no distractions. Just let's do our job, but do with this later and all that stuff, though. 
And, you know, she said it like a pro and all that stuff, though. And, you know, you got the old lady in the background filming and, and someone else filming stuff like that, though. Okay, though. I respect her for that, though. So, um, dude, man, we trying to disrupt the scene for you. Just playing American Idol. This is not American Idol, man. This ain't The Voice or America's Got Talent and shit like that. They doing a TV show. Come on. Give show some respect, y'all. And, you know, I mean, you know, Mariska Harkins says, says, says that she liked the singing, but, you know, she's here to do her job. You know, you got to respect that, all right? Isn't that so good? I respect that. Now, let me tell you something, right? I watched it on a Twitter feed, and there was, let me tell you something. I saw a few photos of that uh, scene at Washington, Washington Square Park. And they got Detective Benson, and they, they got, like, a couple returning people. I mean... They got um, Detective Rollins' baby daddy, um, and don't know Lowell and Lieutenant, aka Lieutenant Murphy. He clean shaven all the stuff. They got Ice T, and then they got um, Calhoun, and, um, and and guess what? They got that guy from American Pie over there. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jason Biggs. Why the hell is um, that uh, Jason Biggs doing here? Hmm? Is he the dude that was humping on a damn pie on American Pie? Even though I'm not a fan of that movie, but I seen the pictures and stuff like that though. So what the I mean, what the hell he doing here? Huh? Is this trying to is SVU trying to become a comedy show? Hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Is it they filming the upcoming episode come out like next month, like early next year, something like that though. And no. Oh, you got you, you got um, SVU cop detectives, and you got um, this dude from American Pie trying to be a cop. Join him. Is there any foolishness or silliness going on around here? I don't know. Anyway, so that's enough of Law and Order news. Now let's get to the episode. All right. Um... This is uh, Law and Order, SVU, Season 2, Episode 16, Runaway. And it aired on NBC on March 2nd, 2001. And it's written by David Burke and Nick Kendrick. So, David Burke, right? Um, they say he stepped down as a showrunner at SVU, right? So, this is his... Um, this is probably his final script or something like that because back then he was like a showrunner for a short time before Neil Barrett took over. So it was written by uh, David Burke and Dick Kendrick and it's directed by Richard Dobbs. Now, before we start this episode, <clears throat> I just did some research, you know, I mean, and discovered that um, they filmed the um, Runaway Before Asunder. And I also want to let you know that um, Excuse me, Monique Jeffries is in it, right? You know, Michelle played by Michelle Hurd, though. So this is probably be the like the last episode featuring um, um, some Detective Jeffries. So this is the official one, though. But I was just want to find out that um, Runaway was filmed before Asunder. That was her Michelle Hurd's final appearance. So you know what they did. Um, they ran the episodes out of sequence. And um, 
they filmed this episode like during the summer, like early on season two, and they probably just show up a later or something like that, though. <clears throat> so, excuse me. I don't know. Let me clear my throat, man. I got a digestion going on around here, though. So, I just want to let you know that, that, you know, they ran the, that's you, they ran their episodes and the sequences out of order. So, Runaway was shot like during the summer, during the early season two or something like that, though. So, and somehow, you know, what they're going to do is that they add, they did some reshoots and all that stuff. So, well, I'm going to get to that in a minute. All right. So, <clears throat> check this out. All right. We, um, let's start this episode right now. So, we're inside this office building, and this is, this is uh, the hostage situation going on around here. And uh, Captain Craig and, and um, Detective Stabler, though, they dress up as like hostage negotiators because it turns out that there's, there's a guy holding people like hostage in this office building somewhere or something like that, though. So um, the, a fellow um, cop or detective, though, he tells uh, Captain Cragen that uh, hostage, the hostage taker's name is Sergeant Foster from Brooklyn Narcotics. All right? So um, turns out that um, his uh, daughter ran away from home, and he's in, he's in this office because he's holding, like, four people hostage, like two including his family, and um, and another hostage so it's like a guy who runs an internet magazine and stuff like that though. He sees, and he tells Kraken that this, this kid named Matito Frank though, he runs some internet magazine and he be, film, he be filming street kids and all that stuff though. So they head down to the basement where the office woman is, where the hostage taker and the hostages are in. So, um, so, um, turns out Craig is there. He's got his little hostage and little vest on and stable is there too. It's like the SWAT team and something like going on around here because they get ready to, yeah, uh, ready to, uh, get prepared just in case if the, um, this guy is shooting. So they turned on my TV monitor on and, you know, Sergeant Foster is in there with a couple of, a few of his hostages and, um, Craig tells, um, Sergeant Foster, that he's Captain Craigan for the Special Victims Unit. And then Sergeant Foster was like, Donnie, I'm not, I'm not a threat. So it turns out that um, Craigan and Foster knew each other. So because they fellow cops and stuff like that. So Sergeant Foster is telling him he's he has gotten down and he's not a threat. He's going to open up the door. So he comes up in there and then, and then, you know, the cops, they're shooting at him with the, with the red laser, something like that, though. And um, Sergeant Foster is telling Kraken that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm going to shoot anybody, stuff like that. So after a little talk, you know, the, the SWAT team put their guns down and then, you know, and then um, Sergeant Foster, he lets Kraken in and stuff like that, though. And there we introduced um, the guy who runs the internet magazine, Tito Frank. Now, Who's the actor playing? Who's that guy? Now, so who's that guy? Who's the actor playing Tito Frank? This is how I capture runaway images without them freaking. Nobody knows I have a camera. All right, that that happens to be actor Sean Nelson, and he appeared on TV and films, including uh, Fresh, you know, the Hood movie back in the '90s, and he appeared on TV shows on like. Law and Order, 
and uh, homicide life on the street and he appeared on two episodes of new york, new york undercover and he had a supporting role in this movie called the wood it was back in the 90s stuff like that but yo check this out that sean nelson was born and raised up in the bronx that's where my pops used to live in and stuff like that though all right so um tito he so he plays tito frank and he tells them captain Cragen that he that the guy was slapping him around stuff like that and Tito and then Tito's there with um sergeant foster's wife and his um son and they wanted her to become almost safe stuff like that and Tito was like she didn't even feel safe at home so he shows him this uh the, the video he recorded on the internet magazine and it goes to show you it goes to show you his, his daughter's joe Fo- joe joe um joe foster on video complaining about her home life and her father so now who is the actress that's playing um jill foster the sergeant's daughter like freaks about lipstick like purple's gonna kill me dad's like i don't exist said i couldn't find my way out of the neighborhood like i'm stupid or something he beat you he's like a cop it sucks in my house my parents blow okay all right all right all right <clears throat> that has to be um actress kelly carbasque something like that is i say it right though yeah and then I thought she had a role playing the Lord of Franco. But anyway, she was born and raised in Queens, New Manhattan, something like that, though. And then she later appeared as an inmate in the Orange is in is Orange is the New Black. You know, I seen the show a few t- Orange is the New Black. I seen that show a few times, you know. But you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's a woman in prison drama. But when I saw that show, it, it reminded me of um, lesbian porn. Let me hurt. That's enough about that though. So anyway, um but back to the story. Uh, June Foster is complaining that her father has been disrespecting her at home and it sucks and then she wanted to get away from him and stuff like that. And all of a sudden here comes this big black nigga coming on uh, coming on coming on the uh, on a uh, video, something like that though. And um then Craig and uh, Stable asked me, who's that? And the Tito tells him that's Canic, bad news. And he tells him that he runs um, remote and promotes Ray Light Productions. He also told him that he used to be on Hookers. So he, here comes this big black nigga Canic, though, telling him that, that there's going to be telling the kids that there's going to be a rave the other, on, coming soon. And um, he gives them the information, the card, the call beat, or something like that, though. So after the video was finished, though, Tino tells um, Captain Kraken that she didn't run away from nothing. She ran away from him. So Kraken tells uh, Sergeant Foster to give him the, the peace. And and somehow, and Sergeant Foster's worried that he got to turn over the missing persons. And then Kraken was like, what's the alternative, Frank? So um uh, Sergeant Foster, he gives a gun to Kragen that's in a cold open. Now, we get to the opening credits, and the, the, yeah, Detective Jeffries is in there, so you got like seven people. So you got like uh, Detective uh, Elliot Staber, Olivia Benson, you know, Munch, then you got Jeffries, then you got Finn, then you got um, Cabot and Kragen. That's like a seven-person crew, something like that, though. Seven people in the cast. And 
it won't show up to like maybe till about um maybe season four. But that's just that's like this is an alternative opening within which they have Jeffries is in the cast, right? Now, check this out. We in the interrogation room and Craig comes in and a couple of IAB detectives are there. So before we get into that scene, I wanna let you know that the the, the, the um, IAB interrogation scenes was done like later on because they shot the um, the episode runaway during the summer so they added the interrogation scenes like later on you know like um as you know something like a reshoot or something like that though so i heard that uh, one of the showrunners i think neil bear decided to insert the the iab uh, interviews some some at some point I don't know, but that's what I heard like, during the podcast or something like that, though. Saying that showing um, <clears throat> Neil Bear was involved in this shit, you know, so it's almost like a reshoot. So it turns out that um, this episode is done in a flashback. So you're going to have a Captain Craig in being interviewed by the IABD detectives about uh, a case that's just already got messed up. And it's it, it, it's, it's he got a little sloppy, and then he's on Craig is under investigation of how he he fucked up the case. Excuse my language. <clears throat> let me clear my throat here, like DJ Cool. Ah, oh, let me go. Hold on, hold on. <clears throat> ah, that's fair. I had to clear my throat. Like, let me clear my throat, like DJ Cool. You know what I'm saying? All right, though, so Craigan comes in the interrogation room and he's being questioned by the IAB detectives about this, um, the Sergeant Foster case about the runaway girl, and it was handled sloppy and stuff like that, though. So it turns out that, um, Craigan didn't use the right pro- protocols because, um, they, I did, I'd be detectives, they were grilling Craigan because, um, he let the Sergeant Foster hold the gun after he was down, and um, and then he didn't even let go of the gun. I mean, so somehow Craig explains to them that Sergeant Foster was desperate. He was in a heat of a moment because her daughter has his daughter has ran away, and 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 and. and, and as far as running away, he's desperate. I mean, he wasn't even a threat to nobody, though. He was just in, he was in a desperate search for his daughter. So, and you know, and it turns out that Craig he tells him that um, Craig and Foster knew each other for a long time. So, he considers him as a friend and all this stuff, though. So, back to the invest to the back to the investigation, and the IAB tells him that that they shouldn't he did that 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 the, the case should be handled by missing persons, but Craig tells them that his daughter was seen at, around um, a mechanic who was turned out to be a registered sex offender and pimp. And that puts the, puts the case completely on his turf. So what Craig did, <clears throat> he went to Vice and they loaned him Monique Jeffries, one of his former detectives. And he also told him that Detective Finn Tutola went undercover. So Craig had asked him, what would you do? Your daughter's missing. What would you do? So, 
it turns out that the um, Craig News, or like I said before, Craig is being questioned by the IAB detectives because about a case that was completely was just messed up and all that stuff because of a missing girl. It shouldn't be handled in missing persons, but it turned out that the jail was seen with the registered sex offender and pimp. So, and that guy kind of used to be on hookers and uh, he did some time stuff like that. So we're going to go get to that right now. All right. <laughs> so the interrogation scene was done in like in a re reshot. So this is a flashback story. So the interrogation scenes are present and the uh, case was done like like a few months earlier so let's get to that let's go back to the low let's go to the squabble this is a flash set this is a is a flashback sequence so okay so craig and his crew they did they watching the video with canic and joe foster stuff like that and captain craig tells him that um canic right he did time for to be killing a hooker back in 1987. so he was about to be um, sent away. It turned out that the, um, the rookie cop contaminated the scene. So he, he just got yelled for him, lesser charge and stuff like that, though. And um, it turns out that, that him, Ted Bolger, had a lawyer, something like, uh, uh, something like that, though. So um, somebody say, anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. It turns out that um, Craig is worried about Joe Foster. So... What they would need to do is that they have to um all right so so what we have to do they have to find joe foster because because right now that um Kenneth is back on the street though and um they need to get the, they need to get canic out they need to get canic out the streets because he could turn a woman into a hooker and a hooker into a corpse so craigan tells benson and stabler that he will assist them with the investigation and he tells Munch and Finn to go find Kanek, and he tells Jeffries to coronate from there. So Craigan tells him that he he that the Kanek will turn a girl to a hooker and a hooker into a corpse because and he wants Jill Foster safe before anything else has happens. All right. Now we're in the office and um uh, and um detectives uh, Stabler and Bethan come in and Tito tells um. No, 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 and Tito's there. So Stabler tells into Tate. Oh, Stabler, excuse me. So Detective Stabler introduces Tito to Detective Benton, and um, Tito's like, "Nobody is talking to you or the mall queen. Oh, you calling Olivia a mall queen? <laughs> mall queen was like a mall rat. I mean, she's a valley girl going shopping and shit like that, though. Hanging out, smoking, drinking, meeting boys like that, though." Tito looks at her as like a damn average white girl with a mall queen. <laughs> Becky and the mall queen and all the stuff. So, so and then Tito asks, um, well, what happened to the black chick? And then, um, and that's, so that's, that's, and the black chick is, is, um, Jeffries. And then Detective Benson tells Tito that the black chick's got to upper duties. So Tito shows him that he has a surveillance camera hidden in his banana. So, yeah, so the street street kids will know that he's recording. And so, okay, so um, he puts on the um, bandana with the spell and stuff like like nobody's gonna find out I'm recording. And then Stable's like, "Well, I can keep a secret. Mall Queen can." 
and it was looks sort of a real video stuff like that you know they were just laughing and shit like that though all right so um all right so um meanwhile we're at the hotel and much as Finn is there and um they want to look for canics and so um I've and then and then Finn wakes up the doorman and they want to ask him where's Kanik is like that though so no 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 let me go back I messed up I messed up I messed up no 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 and that correction let me go back all right let me fix my phone i missed out something all right so tito agrees to help best and Sable with the investigation on finding joe foster okay so meanwhile we are somewhere at rikers island and craig is talking to sergeant foster and they were talking about the days and there was rookies that did that um sergeant foster saved craig's life though and craig was like you know if you wouldn't last like a minute sooner i wouldn't be in the box and we would be having this conversation so Craig asked Sergeant Foster if he had Bill's Jewel, Jewel, Jewel or not. And uh, Foster was like, no, but mentally he called her a loser junkie, you know, verbally abusing her, stuff like that. But he would never put his hands on her, though. And um, he knows that um, he wasn't a good father. I don't know all this stuff, though. I mean, so he he misses her and then he wants her home. So Foster begs Craig to find Jill. Please. And then Craig was like, yeah. Now, meanwhile, we're at this residence where Kanek lives, and Munch and Finn are there. So Finn wakes up the doorman saying, hey, where's Kanek? So, and the doorman was like, I don't know, he's, he's everywhere, and then he goes to, like, different places, so he don't see it there that often. So he goes to the mailbox, and he takes out his mail, and it turns out that he has some shit in the mail from Caribbean, I don't know. So, Kanak doesn't have me have a permanent place to stay because I mean he'd be sleeping around in and off though. I mean, no, no, that dude's like a that nigga's a criminal. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> I don't know what it is something like that though. He then Munch was like said some it's still so Ben. He was like bank statements to in Caribbean and Munch was like Caribbean Caribbean. Hmm, pointed. I don't know about that though. So I uh, mean, uh, so we're such a field sponsor, okay? So we're at um, Thompson Square Park, and Bess and Sabler are asking people around if they've seen Joe Foster. Now, before I get to that, <clears throat> so I mean, Thompson Square Park. I haven't been to Thompson. I haven't been to Tompkins Square Park in years. I remember one night. Um, um, nah, before I go go further though, I heard that Thompson Square Park is like a uh, area for drug dealers and drug users and homeless people. And to me, I don't think it's safe to go to Thompson Square Park or in the days because you could like smell that you have a foul odor, you got the homeless people, and you got like the drug addicts and stuff like that. And Thompson Square Park is somewhere right on the Lower East Side, right? And speaking about that, I used to work at the Lower East Side. I think it's on, um, I was working at this, uh, I was working as an intern at um henry street settlement and i was where i worked there temporarily as an intern doing as a file clerk i even met my ex-girlfriend over there so we dated a couple of times but we just split up because i mean she has been calling me back i mean and i'll let me tell you something about my ex-girlfriend her place is always a mess i mean 
I'm not gonna say no names, but I mean, when she invited me to her house um, once or twice, and it looked like a pigsty, man. Like go like a freaking barn and shit like that. Come on, y'all. Damn. Mm. So we ain't together no more. I mean, she hasn't been communicating with me, so I left the ass alone. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick, but sometimes if a girl is not interested in you or she playing games, you gotta leave her ass alone. That's how that's me, you know. I mean, just and sometimes you gotta use your head. Men gotta use their head though. So anyway. We're back at Thompson Square. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, I remember I was watching the outdoor movie at Thompson Square Park. I don't remember what movie it was, but um, yeah, well, I think it was um action movie. I'm not sure about that. So anyway, I don't even remember the movie. You know, I just sat there and just watched it, though. Hey, mm, that was about, about maybe about several years ago, like during the summer. Okay, so we're at Thompson Square Park once again. And Benson and Sable are talking to the hot dog vendor that they seen Jill. And the hot dog vendor tells him that he be hanging, she be hanging out around with these um, other teens and all that stuff, though. So Benson State Benson and Sabler, though, they spot Tito handing out flyers. And then he got he's Tito's is um talking to a couple of kids, and then next thing you know, the kids run the teens run off. And then um Tito sees Benson Sabler, and he was like don't you guys ever announce yourselves? So they were just looking for Joe Foster. And then Tito tells him that he's giving out flyers for this rave. And the detective's asking where the address. And he tells him, yeah, I call the number on the day of a raid and tell you where it's at, though. So it's so secretive. So what they do is uh, they have to do some drugs. And what they do to tease, or they go in the club and get some drugs. And guess what? Sex. Oh, my goodness. Yo, man, it's, so what they doing over there? These um, he's um, giving out flyers that go to this rave, and it turns out though they be having sex and drugs over there secretly and stuff like that. Though that's crazy and shit like that though. <clears throat> so, okay, Tito spots a group of kids. He go and he goes over to the bench and he asks one of the guys if he sees Joe, and he says that. Mm, uh, she looks kind of familiar. So he asked around one of his friends that if they see Joe. And then you got this white boy with the brown hair. He starts running off. And then Stabler chases him like across the street. So he catches up with him and puts him right by the wall or the fence. And Stabler asks him, where is he? Where is he, huh? And the teen tells him that the girl is dead. Shit. Do you believe that story, something like that, though? I don't know what it is. So. We're at this warehouse sometime later, and um, Munch and Finn is there, Benson Stable is there, and the and the kid that's able to stop, so he follows him to this warehouse, and they go inside, and then they see all these um, mannequin bodies and stuff like that, and you know what they saw? They discovered a uh, body of a young girl being buried underneath those mannequin things and stuff like that, though. Mm. That's messed up. Isn't it? Isn't that the... Uh, Girls that they were looking for, Joe Foster. Well, we're gonna find out. Okay, so we're in an interrogation room again, and then Detective Stabler is talking to the IB detectives. Stabler tells the detectives that the girl they found is it was not Joe Foster, but another throwaway kid. So Stabler is um, and then they were asking Stabler if Tito about Tito assisting the investigation. 
and Stable tells him Tito knows the scene and such shit like that. So and like um and and then somehow you know this this um when so they try to and then Stable tells him that um he was told under orders by Craig and stuff like that though. And Saber tells him that Pregan tells that him that you have to find your foul force or whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. So, I mean, he he just he just Saber is following orders from Pregan. You know, what I mean, if they doing an aggressive search, find your foster because the cop is desperate and all that stuff, though. All right, so um, we're at the um, and me and we're at the Borg and something like that. And guess what? There goes um. Lance Reddick, though he's there playing the ME for this in this episode, right? And it turns out though, to man, your know, Dr. Warner is not there. So turns out that um Lance Reddick, you know the guy from the wire and um none. Was it the one? Yeah, the wire and uh, the Alpha HEO miniseries the corner, right? And he was there too. Oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to tell you that Sean Nelson was on the HBO miniseries the corner too. I watched that show though. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, Lance Reddick, you know the guy from Oz, he tells him that um, the Jane Doe was abused, and she had different types of drugs in her system. And he also tells Sabler, Mr. Sabler, that she was waxed too. And he tells him that there's um, <clears throat> some sexual stuff like that, something like, like that though, that bikini wax and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, Sabler says, "Kitty porn." So <laughs> kitty porn. Are you kidding me? It turns out they did it. Kitty porn, they be doing like underage porn shit. Fuck me her. Fuck me her. All right, all right, all right. So um, we had um, we had the um, office and the detective Jeffries is uh, talking to that street kid that uh, Stable busted earlier. And uh, young Keen tells him that there was this black guy that took to this plane, this, um, this rave and then next thing you know there was a white guy something like that though he don't know the name something like that so and he remembers there was this woman telling him to do him do her or in other words so they just they shooting like underage porn and shit like that though i mean yo i can't believe is that they recruit these young teenagers with drugs and all of a sudden they engaging in sex while they film it under H porn, that's illegal. Right? That's perverted shit like that though. So and then so he mentions um he didn't give out that much information, something like that though. I mean he's just a young teen, like drugged up and stuff like that. So outside the office, you know, the conference room with Cabot and Trayon are watching. And um he needed to tell that um shit Cabot was like though, this 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 is a guy, this kid ain't gonna work out, something like that though. She needs to find like a, a, a different kind of kid rather than a street kid who's like drugged up and shit like that though. So, and then Captain Cragen, she has this idea, you know, of, of talking to um, the Joe Foster's brother. So later on, you know, the the Jeffrey, so he's talking to Joe's brother, and um, and, he, and the brother tells him that about. Family life or father, so like that, and he and he tells Jeffries that she wants to run away, and she, he also tells her that she wanted to see Dumbo. Dumbo, is Dumbo a movie? Well, he doesn't know 
what the modern day double is. So, so he and you know, so Kill Foster's brother said she wanted to go see Dumbo. <laughs> Did you go know, to Disney movie and stuff like that though? So we cut to the squad room and Kramer asked the uh, Japanese where they are they on right now, and uh, Jeffrey tells um, Captain Kragen that we can look for Jill and Dumbo, and she also mentioned but that the, her brother didn't know that Dumbo stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. So the term Dumbo was used probably in the early 2000s. I mean, they made Dumbo like a section of Brooklyn somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that, though. And um, Dumbo is like, <clears throat> I think I visited Dumbo a couple of times. You know, they, they had like a restaurant. I went over there and... Um, and then I used to deliver a package or a Dumbo, but Dumbo is like a turn into like some kind of like a, I would you say gentrified with some lofts and some shops and stuff like that though. It's like a, it's like a section of Brooklyn, like Dumbo down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. But Jill's foster son, no, no, Jill's brother doesn't know that Jill brothers, no, no, excuse me. Jill brother thought that Dumbo was just a movie. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So okay, Finn comes in and tells Cragen that the J Doan is identified as 14-year-old Gina Lang. Oh, so and Craig asks her where the parents at. And then, then they're trying to come up and find try to pay money for the body, funeral for the body, or something like that. I don't know what it is, something like that though. So so it's not Jill Foster, they still find Jill, something like that though. So turns out that Canic though. He has ties to um, he take mechanic though he works for Rainlight Productions and um, Rainlight Productions so their lawyer is Ted Bolger, but it turns out that mechanic um, has ties to Ted, attorney Ted Bolger. It turns out that um, Bolger was Kenneth's lawyer back in the late nineteen eighties where he uh, killed his hooker or something like that though, and it turns out that they kept in touch and stuff like that though, so. And so what they're going to do is that um, Kriggan tells Beth and Saber to go find Jill and Dumbo, you know, in Brooklyn. And Kriggan sends much of Finn to find Ted Bolger. Now, we're in the offices of Ted Bolger. And checked out. We have, um, who's a special guest. We have a special guest star. Who's that guy playing Ted, the sleazy Ted Bolger? Nobody said anything. It doesn't matter because it's not admissible. I'm Ted Bolger. I'm going to be your attorney. Yo, that turns out to be um, special guest star at Saturday Night Live, Daryl Hammond. Yay! Okay, so he was on um, Saturday Night Live for 14 seasons. I mean, he played Jesse Jackson and all that stuff, though. And, um, and yo, check this out. I mean, he was, he joined the cast of SNL back in 1995. He was there like for 14 years until he left in 2009. Get this though, he's still working with SNL. This time he's like the announcer, like he filling replacing the Don Pardo or shit like that though. I mean, yo, Daryl Hammond, you know, we live from New York and Saturday night. I mean, he was on the SNL back in like the mid 90s to like 2009, stuff like that. He was there with um, Jimmy Fallon and um, Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, and Tracy Morgan. I'm trying to remember. Um, and um, yeah, Chris Farnell and 
Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, shit like that, though. Yo, and he, and this time he's playing a lawyer, man. Yo, imagine, imagine Daryl Hammond had a law firm. It could be called like Hammond, Daryl Hammond, Will Ferrell, and Jimmy Fallon. No, you know Hammond, Ferrell, and Fallon. <laughs> okay, so we and then we back to the scene, right? Though, <laughs> then you got like Ted Poldry. He's he's um snoring a line of coke, and then all of a sudden Finn busts in, playing going on the cover as like some wannabe gangster. I mean, dressing all in black and stuff like that, though. Yo, man, yo, man, Daryl Hammond is busted, yo, and it. He and he caught red-handed throwing a line of coke, and then there was, and then um, Bulger was like, "Who are you?" And Finn was like, "Shut up and sit down." And yo, know, and Bulger stands up and is like, "Get out of my office!" And Finn was like, "What? Want me to tell you what you hit you with cocaine?" And you know, <laughs> Munch is outside the room. Munch is there, and then he got like the scantily class secretary looking in and stuff like that though, and um. Uh, and then, so Ben asked um, um, Bolger, aka Daddy, what's your rate? It was like 500 an hour or something like that, though. So Ben gets a little business, gets in a little bit of business. I mean, he gave him, he gives him his fake ass um, card and stuff like that. It says Ben on it, though. <laughs> and um, Daryl Hammond, aka Bolger, he was like, all right, Ben, let me tell you, Ben, you want Ben? I mean, and then Finn gets down to business. He wanted to ask him where his cannon gets because he wanted to get his number and stuff like that, though. And then, then Bolger, he sits down. He asks. He 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 look. He points to much, and he was like, "Who is that?" And Finn was like, "That's my Jew. Where's the mechanic?" <laughs> oh shit! And when I heard that, I started laughing. <laughs> he Finn coins much as Jew or something like that. <laughs> And the reaction to Munch's fame was like, "What the, the what the hell? Oh man, I mean, he's 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 pissed about that toast like that though." And um, so you know, um, Ben gives him like maybe five hundred dollars, throwing it on the table, so like that though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness, Ben is low playing being a wannabe gangster, something like that. He's dressing all in black, got do rag on though, and then he wants to. Get in touch with Canik and all the stuff though. So he gives him the money, and then Ben before Finn leaves, he was like, "I understand you owe me fifty five more minutes," and just leaves. And Munch follows him, saying "Shalom" to um, the Bolger, and they just left. So <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, originally, I can't believe Ben called Munch is Jew, but I'm. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm actually, you know, I just wanted to say that the, the real Jews are black. I'm not going to go deep into that. So, to me, you know, that scene was kind of funny to me when Munch calls, uh, when, 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 excuse me, I was feeling it's funny to me when um, Ice-T called Munch his Jew. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they just left, though. So, anyway, we outside the office, you know, I mean, Munch got the cell phone number and all that stuff. And then Munch starts getting mad, takes off his sunglasses, and then he gets mad at Finn saying, You're a Jew? You're a Jew? What about with your boy? And Finn replied, I'll be your boy, John, right? And then Munch was like, No, we, we don't play, we doesn't we're not narcotic, we're not in narcotics, so we don't play cowboy stuff like that right there, though. I mean, we don't play like that. So 
But Finn tells Munch that we already got the Kadex number and information and everything, so we good. And Munch was like, yo, I got a spleen trying to rush in my brain, trying to get me killed. What's the matter with you? Man, Munch is like offended. Because when, um, when Munch was like, Finn, when Finn said, that's my Jew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't mean much getting upset over that though. I don't know what it is, man. But um I speed it before I go to another scene, I wanna let you know that um that the Canic, he's like a promoter for Rainlight Production, and then they serve like non alcoholic beverages to teens and they throw raids and clubs and shit like that though. And yeah, I forgot to tell you that over there at the rave, so they be, um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna know what. I'm gonna get to that and then I'm gonna give away for myself. So I saw, I, let me, I'm talking like Quentin Tarantino up in here. So let me go finish this up, all right? All right, now, meanwhile in Dumbo, Benson is labor after some kind of this, um, um, legal market. And, um, they asking people, they look for Joe Foster. And, um, one of the customers says that, um, these these kids and these um they was wearing these um things and something like that something like that and then and then um, Tito was mentioning Tito's there in the background like, telling that they wear fuzzy jewelry and and fuzzy, no fuzzy clothes and something cheap jewelry something like that though and another customer tells him that the kids they hanging out in this um apartment that belongs to um Laura Frankel. And she's like an artist or whatever, something like that, though. And, she, she, and then one other customer says that she mentions like Leonardo da Vinci with fangs and stuff like that. I don't know what it is, though. So we're inside Laura Frankel's apartment, and you got these uh, group of teens in there sitting down there. They're like drug out in their damn minds, sitting there uh, looking down. And they got paint on their faces and shit like that, though. So much of Finn are there, and they, they talk to Laura Frankel. And yo, and um, Laura Frankel was like, could take off your clothes and get comfortable and you know, mellow out or something like that, though. I mean, uh, but a bunch of men in there, there to take care of some business. And then Tito's looking around, asking people, Where's Gelato? And he's he's touching the, the other dude's hat. And then um, Laura sees that and she was like, Is he, is he stealing? Yo. That is a fucking, stereo, fucking stereotype. I mean, a black man stealing stuff like that. I mean, Tito wasn't trying to steal anything. He was just looking, asking people where his jail is at, though. And he was having, well, some, some damn racist saying, calling a black man stealing stuff like that. So please. So, much of Finn, they get to business and then they ask Laura Franco about Jill Foster and stuff like that, though. And she, she tells him that she doesn't know anything, anything like that, though. So Tito tells uh, much and tells much and then that Joe Foster was in it was there at the apartment. She left like an hour ago, and then much asked her another question. And then Laura Frankel got this attitude like, "Do I look like missing person to you?" And Finn, he, he just had enough of this shit. He, he tells all the kids to give and give and give guns. He tells all the kids to turn themselves in. Tell me, yo, everybody, yo, yo, everybody, get your ass arrested. Dude. Put your hands on the wall, man. When I see though, Finn was just like. Whew, he ain't having that shit though. He's starting to like to arrest everybody, including Laura Franco in the apartment though. Because he only want to do the he want to get information on Joe because 
guess what? Kids, they ain't applying and stuff like that, though. So I don't know what it is, though. So Laura Frankel doesn't even, even like that shit, though. Uh, meanwhile, though, somewhere on the street, though, that's in the slave blur spot, uh, Lance Canick, and Lance Canick's there with his crew or something like that, though. And then they confront him about Joe Foster and stuff like that, though. And they show him the picture of Joe Foster in some graduating that graduation outfit. He says that he don't know. She she doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what Joe Foster is. But Benson and Stabler tells them that that if you see Jill though, yeah, you, you let us know. And Cam was like, I hear you. But he got this look on the face, like he like a menacing, he's like intimidating and shit like that though. And then Cannon, he, to, he looked like a damn drug dealer or something like that. That nigga Cannon looked like a damn drug dealer. I don't know what it is or something like that, though. Okay, so we're in the squad room, and then the police are bringing in um, a group of kids in there, and they were, like, high on their minds. They were like, hello, Mr. Policeman. I mean, they was, like, dazed, man. I mean, drugged up. I mean, they got pain on their faces. I mean, these these teens ain't dressed in, like, a rave and stuff like that, though. So... Somehow Craig sees what's going on. So he brings Munch and Finch to the office. And um and Craig was like, what the hell is going on here? Why the kids are doing here? Something like that, though. And Finn tells him that the, these kids were taking cues from Laura Frankel, so like that, though. And then and then he, he, and Craig was like, You gotta be fear of these kids, and stuff like that. Something like they fear these kids, and then and then Munch was like, that's Finn's favorite word, fear. So Craig is not happy about this thing because Craig realizes that the everyone's everyone's gonna be looking for Joe Foster and stuff like that though. And check this out. Here comes Daryl Hammond, aka Ted Bolger, coming in the squad room and stuff like that though. Oh my goodness. And then Craig was like, How did he get there so fast though? So turns out that um that that, that um Kanik is tied to Bolger. And so is Laura Franco, something like that, though. So Craigan's not happy. So Craigan tells um, and, and then so he see Craigan sees um, Daryl Hammond coming in, talking to a group of kids, and he telling him that there's nothing that all this case against him is not admissible, something like that. And he was like, "I'm Ted Bolger. I'll be your lawyer." <laughs> and it Ted Bolger. He represents um, um. Uh, the, the law firm, Hammond, Fairway, and Fallon. <laughs> I'm Ted Bolger. Ted Bolger. I'm Ted Bolger. I'm your lawyer. Sounds like a damn commercial. Like, if you are being falsely accused, injured in a car accident, or being persecuted, go see me, Ted Bolger. Right? Bolger, Fallon, and Hammond. No, Bolger, Bolger, Bolger Fallon, and um, Farrell. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something like that, though. So, Craig decided to bring Tito in. Craig, so Tito comes in the Craigan's office, and um, Craig asks him if 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 um, can't find out about this. And Tito no he Tito realizes that Okan will kill him if he found out that he ran a mouse, stitched a mouse, something like that, something like that though. So Craig asked um, Tito, does he have a place to lay low? And Tito was like, yeah. So he tells Tito much to find the way here. He's going to go over to the office, try to talk to Bolger, something like that. So Craig goes in the upper room, 
he's talking to Boulder, and um, and Boulder Daryl Hammond is doesn't even like you know the way he's doing doing to his clients and stuff like that. Though Cragen says that they're looking for a missing girl, and Daryl Hammond replies, "I don't care if you're looking for Osama bin Laden." Oh. They <laughs> now that Osama bin Laden reference. So Osama bin Laden was mentioned on the line. That was before like 9-11 happened, though. Because when the September 11 happened, it turns out that when the towers were knocked, they were demolished, though. The media blamed Osama bin Laden. But I'ma tell you the truth. Osama bin Laden had nothing to do with the twin towers being blown up. They set his ass up. It was inside job for the U.S. government. It was an inside job because they want to bring in that new world order. And they didn't want to use Bin Laden as a damn scapegoat. So, Osama Bin Laden was mentioned on this, this episode before 9-11 happened. So, is it a coincidence or a conspiracy going on right here, though? So, I don't know what it is, though. So, and then Pitt Folger and then Daryl Hammond finishes off saying, this is the American way. And then he says, live from New York, it's Saturday night. <laughs> it's Saturday night live. Yeah. However, though, he lets the kids go and they was like, happy. They, they, that's my nigga Folger, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then moments later, Craig comes back in his office and he just pissed that John and, well, John and Pitts and Munch and Finn about that investigation because um Craig already knows that Finn will went undercover went undercover will play as a gangster and Craig doesn't like the undercover without clearance from him and shit like that though. And he tells much of Finn is this is that thing jeopardizes the investigation. I'm gonna hold both of you responsible. And Craig just leaves the office. Okay, so we're back at the interrogation scene again and then IAB detectives um, asked Detective Benson there who authorized um, the undercover at the rave, at, uh, the undercover operation at the rave. And she just told the Craigan what to do by Craigan and something like that. That's all she did, though. She was just following orders from Craigan. And um, they asked her, you know, does did uh, Captain Craigan authorize everything, something like that, though? And then she doesn't know. I mean, it's like um you're trying to i mean i don't know you have to ask captain you have to ask craigan no like she don't know anything else she was just just um doing what she was told and stuff like that though so she said they were grilling her hard about that um the um, who authorized um authorized uh to have his people go undercover and rave something like that though and that's that's definitely was like what you see, you can't foresee, uh, what you would call it. So I don't know what it is. So. Okay, so we back at the flashback sequence, and then we at the raid, man. These kids, they were just getting, trying, trying to score some ecstasy and shit like that. And then, and they would just get high in their mind. It was crazy. And you got the detective, they going undercover at a rave. And yo, check out Stabler. He's wearing a short sleeve Hawaiian shirt, like he's from Magnum PI and shit like that. And check out Detective Benson. She wearing a, a pink halter top. Her hair's like all spiked up and then paint. Like she's part of the she's one of the girls in the club, something like that. 
when the girls are rage. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the rage, man. The, the rage were like popular back then in the year 2000 and stuff like that. And you know what else is? People be back, back in those days, people were scoring ecstasy or X back in the days, like in 2000. I mean, that was a thing for teens. But again, high on X. Right now, it's all about him, triple meth and shit like that, though. But check this out. Back in the 2000s, that that meth, though, I mean, these young kids, they were scoring mollies in the 2010s. I mean, uh, Molly Cyrus brought the term Molly on her video, We Won't Stop. That was like several years ago. But back then, kids were getting high on X, same because it was a popular drug at that time, something like that, though. So, so they in, um, they in, all right, so, um, they don't you know the detectives are in a rave, and you know Finn is wearing still wearing his same clothes, like where he had we uh we had like a meeting with Ted Bolger. I mean dressed all in black and like a jewel rag, and Munch is there dressed in black, and they see that people were were selling X in the clubs, and then one of the detectives like this Finn is right. This place is the open market for drugs and stuff like that though. So or Finn already knows about this thing because um he when he used to work on narcotics though, they'd be saying that ecstasy was like a popular drug in the streets and stuff like that. He mentioned earlier in the episode. So the detectives they, they spot Tito in there. And Tito is a dumbass. I mean, he, he was told to lay low, but he don't even listen, y'all. So they spot Tito's there. So Detective Jeff the Jeffries comes up to Tito and asks, Doesn't the word lay low mean anything to you? And Tito replied, I could take care of myself. Nigga, you a dumbass. I mean, you trying to wish your life and getting killed and all that stuff. I mean, if they tell you to lay low, they tell you to get your ass out of town, right? While they finish with the investigation. But nah, Tito won't even listen to stuff like that, though. Like, he ain't worried about canning and shit like that, though. Then Tito just, and then after a brief talk with Jeffries, he was like, they bitch, leave me alone, man. I got work to do. Sass cold, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh my goodness, Tino. You should have stay can't stay the just stay the hell out of town. You know what I'm saying? So next thing you know is that his stabler, he spots Jill sitting down. And then oh, and then um Saber calls her. Jill sees Stabler and she she runs off and then chaos assumes and then people are shoving and stuff like that though. Next thing you know is in Frost Franklin's taking pictures and shit like that. Next thing you know is that people running off the clubs, and then Xavier comes out of the club. He sees Joe is gone, and next thing you know is that the detectives are they arresting everyone in the raid, including Franklin and stuff like that. Though, so okay, so um, we at the SVU interrogation room, and um, Laura Franco is there, and Cabot comes in, and she introduces herself to Cabot. And <laughs> and then okay, uh, the Frank Law Franco she says she wants a lawyer, and uh, they know they tied his hair and stuff like that though. So Benson Stabler comes in and they told him about this um, girl. He said she's responsible for the death of Gina Lang and she was engaged in underage porn and shit like that though. And then Munch comes in and tells her that um, back in 1979 she was porn princess Layla Cream Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Cream cheese, yo, she. I gotta tell you this. Um, it, you know that Miss Franco, you know the artist, she was doing porn back in the day. Fuck me hard, fuck me hard. 
So they wanted um they wanted the Boulder and the Canic and stuff like that. And Cabot tells them that <clears throat> they mentioned mentioned that um Canic killed one of the hookers. And then um um Miss Miss Frankel mentions mentions something about a girl named Wendy, right? So whoever they offer a deal. So Cabot tells her that you have to tell tell her that if if um if if um Bolger was like the um, if, if you and Canning and Bolger is Canning and it, oh right so Kevin tells her that uh, she offers her a deal if you give up like uh Bolger say ask her if you had if you, if you and um Canning had ties to Bolger though she offered him that uh, she'll be um doing time in prison before menopause so. So Mrs. Frankel, though, she tells him that Canik is um, giving them drugs and other things. And you know what I'm talking about, the other things, talking about underage porn, sex, and all that stuff, though. So um, here comes um, Jeffrey. So she taps the table in the shoulder, and then she brings him out to the interrogation room. And uh, Jeffrey's asked Stabler that did he page Tito. He told him that a few times that he called. And then Jeffrey tells him homicide it is. So we're somewhere in the alley in the street and somewhere. And then um, Saber comes in. He talks to uh, another detective, tells him that why you were paging Tito. And Saber tells him that um, he came to assist them in the investigation. So they see a um, body covered in like a black sheet. They pull the sheet off. It's Tito. Oh my goodness. He, he tests. So Stabler finds Tito dead on the street. I mean, he was like shot in the, the, the stomach. Blood was coming out from the back. And um, he tells the uh, detective he was helping them out and all this stuff, though. And, his, and they found the recorder or something like that, though. So later in the squad room, they played the tape. And um turns out that um, Jill Foster is crying she said that um she is saddened that her father's in jail just just to find her stuff like that though and then she said that the cops came in the rave and stuff like that and then her father's gonna find out and tito told her not to worry the cops are his friends and he's not gonna show it to his father you know i mean she wanted to go back but she didn't want she don't feel like going back since her father was in jail and stuff like that, though, looking for her. So it turns out she, she tells Tito that um, she doesn't feel like going back home right now. I mean, because she understands that her her family is looking for her and all this stuff. And then she tells Tito that she found, found a place somewhere with a roof. Then all of a sudden, a gunshot goes off. Tito collapses on the ground. And Jill runs off, and it turns out that can it turns out that Canic comes up 
and he he can murder Tito while on, on tape. And can comes to Tito who's like, You brought the cops on your rave, you brought this on yourself. That's some corny ass line, though. Yo, oh man, if it was better, let me give you some better acting. Can was like, Yo, you, you, you snitch ass nigga, you call, call the cops on my rave, bitch ass nigga, you, you fucking snitch. That's what you get, nigga. <laughs> and then Tito and then Ken was like cold yet and then he was he was like I mean if he was better he was like fuck you Tito you you fucking you fucking snitch fucking snitch snitch on nigga sell out fuck you man he just walks away oh man that nigga Ken was cold I mean he just kill he just shoots him and he wish he's cold just walks away. I mean, that guy's like a psycho, something like that, though. And uh, detectives, though, they just not like so sad to see Tito bleed out like that. So, so it's like that's that's messed up right there, though. Oh my goodness. So we're back in the interrogation scene, and Calvin's being questioned by IEB about how the case go messed up and stuff like that. How the that Tito was uh, was murdered and and all that stuff, all the stuff like that. And then Kevin asked him, "You have to talk to Craig about that because she don't know, doesn't know, even know anything." So um, Kevin was like um, being grilled by art, question by IB about um, Craig and the investigation, and then the informant was killed. But Tito is Tito wasn't informant, and all of a sudden, though, he was killed by that by Kendrick. Kevin's like the murder stuff like that though. So Kevin was like, if you wanted to crucify Craig and talk to somebody else, she don't want to give Craig enough stuff like that though. So we're back in the flashback scene, and then Kevin's being brought in the interrogation room, but and um, by Stabler, Cabot, and stuff like that. So Kevin try, try goes to the chair, and um, Stabler kicks it out of the way and points him to another chair. And Kevin was like, I want my lawyer. And Cabot replied, we do too. <laughs> and you can see uh, Cabot, though, she had that, her hair was longer in the early episode because during throughout the season, her hair was like short down to her like uh, neck or something like that, though. But this is like Cabot was long with a longer hair or something like that because they shot that during the summer or something like that, though. And like I said, the idea that this is a flashback sequence and the interrogation scenes were done sometime like Later on in the season, you know, Cabot had short hair. Because this one, so anyway, back in the squad room, they show mechanic um, about him killing um, Tito on tape and stuff like that, though. So, and Cannon was trying to change his game, saying, What you want to do for the beat? And Cabot was like, I'm not going to do anything because you already asked me a lawyer. And Cannon was like, Talk to me, baby. What do you want to do for me? So he wants a deal, something like that, though. He says that, um, he said, he tells Cabot that, um, you give him, you give him 20 years and then he'll give, he'll give him Bolger and the girl they're looking for. And Cabot's like, nope, nope, no, no, no deal. And Cabot replied, no girl. And Cabot was like, give, I'm gonna give you lethal ejection. And Carrot responded, heroin addiction. And then she says, there's only one deal on the table. I can't even pull it back, though. And then Carrot was like, 
the cops kid. I'm fucking you, you gay on your own, something like that, though. So, side of that, she don't want to cut no deal, something like that. So, we're in Craigan's office moments later, and then and Craigan was like giving 20. Cabot worries that Kenneth will murder again after 20 years. And and he don't, he, she don't want that animal back out on the streets, and they do. So, Craigan's like, we got to take the deal. I mean, and then Cabot doesn't even care. I mean, she doesn't give a shit about Kenneth because he's a murderer and stuff like that, though. So, we outside the precinct and Munch into a walk and talk about the mechanic. And Munch was like, you know, I can't be doing, I'm too old to be doing that cowboy stuff. I mean, it's, a, it's like, he don't want to do it. And then Finn was like, I work as a loan, man. He, he said he'll do with Kanik himself, though. So the uniform officers, they bring Kanik out of the precinct. They were going to take him to the squad car. So, however, the, the um, Munch has second floors. And then Munch was like, Finn, I'll drive. So, they so much of Finn decided to take Kanik, and then they were gonna and Kanik agreed to show them where Jill is though. So we in the we're in the interior, we're in this office, and Finn's being questioned by the IAB detectives again, and then Finn tells them that Kanik agreed to find Jill Foster and stuff like that though, but he knows that. that and, oh no 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 no! You know what happened was that. Before we get to the Finn being grilled by the IAB, turns out that when Munch and Finn take Cannon with them, and then Finn shoves his, Finn shoves Cannon's head on the top of the car, and then he, put, he puts him in. So Finn is being questioned by IAB because they accuse Finn of using excessive force on Cannon, even though Finn tells him that Cannon agreed to take him where the girl, girl is. But he knows that Finn is a that that Finn knows that Kanik is a liar, stuff like that. But they the IAP detectives though, they figuring that he they they went after him for the aggressive force though, or something like that. Though that's messed messed up though. And, and so so I mean, it was late on. Like we're back in the flashback sequence, and then it's evening time, and then Munch and Finn come back with Kanik, and then Munch comes out, calls them people on cell phone, says that tell them that Kanik gave us all the information that they needed. So, Finn is being questioned by AAB detectives, you know, and he says that when he came to, when he was in narcotics, he had to deal with dealers and stuff like that, though. And when he came to SVU, it was different because they were looking for runaways like Joe Foster. So we were somewhere at this um, building, abandoned building, something like that, though. And Vincent Sabre come in to find Joe. And and then, well, during the during the and then Finn says in the voiceover that Jill didn't wasn't asked to do do porno; she was forced. So Karen was responsible for that, though. So next thing you know is that um, it turns out that the Benson Sabler finds Jill. She's like sleeping. So and then Craigan calls. And calls him and calls the back for backup coming to come over because they found Jill. And um, Sable tells Benson that Jill doesn't have a pulse. Turns out that Jill Foster has been found dead, probably OD and shit like that, though. And then we're back in the, inter- back in the um, interrogation scene. And and, 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 I, and Finn is arguing with the detectives and, 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 and then. Joe and he tells him Joe Foster is dead because of Kenneth. And then he says he needs a union delegate though. So we're in Craig's office and Munch comes in and tells him that Sergeant Foster is here. 
So Kragen comes out of the office and goes to the comes out of his office and goes to another office and he tells Sergeant Foster the bad news. So we're back in the interrogation scene. Kragen's there with the IB detectives again, and he tells them that they didn't get the information fast enough to bring Cadney and rescue Joe. So Kragen says that he takes full responsibility for his action in the case, though. And the IAB detectives tell him that the former or the former was killed and um and and him, one of his uh tactics was use aggressive force against the suspect though that's like gonna cost him like a five-day vacation they were taking or other words they want to take away five days vacation and Craig was like you're gonna give me give me a five-day rip over some case though go ahead but that's not gonna is it gonna solve anything and one of the detectives like not this time but probably for, for, for the next and then Cragen says, and a girl OD'd and died alone. Her father, a 30-year career as a cop, over, no pension. His family's in shambles. But you know what really scares Cragen that he had to deal with a lying, murdering, second piece of shit that turns out to be Kenneth. And, and the detectives tell him that um, the lying piece of shit has rights too. And then Craig was like, Tito, Jill Foster, they're both dead. What about their rights? And um, and that was the end of the episode. Turns out it was it's rarely been seen in rotation, but I mean they say it was the worst episode, but I think I like it some something. I don't know what it is though, but this was a good episode. Okay, okay, okay. I just um let me sum it up, up to this episode, okay? So, it turns out that um, the, the 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 special victims unit, though, they were they was on the case searching for Joe Foster. Then all of a sudden, the things get messed up because it's what happened was that the informant and Joe, though, they were found they were killed under the hands of Canick, and so that messed up the investigation. And Craig was unable to. You know, just just to handle subdue as a friend, um, because you know he was in the heat of the moment, something like that. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Sergeant Foster, right? And they know each other for thirty years since they were like cops and all that stuff. So, so Craigan has a personal relationship with him, but it turns out, and um, I heard that the Runaway was like the Beast Watch episode. And it was also also like the worst episode because they say it was weird. You know what? Oh, you know what? Here's another episode of SVU that was least watched. I and I say it's that um, season two episode secrets, and the problem is that they they took it out of rotation when the SVU was syndicated. I don't know why channel nine on my network TV, man. Why do you have to do that shit though? Why was it so too risque? I'm trying to figure out why. That's what I want to find out. Oh yeah, by the way, I left out a little inf- information about Kanek. Turns out that the back in the 80s, he was running an escort service called Ooh-Wee. <laughs> Ooh-Wee. That's a, that sounds like a sex thing going on around here, though. Anyway, <laughs> Ooh-Wee escorts. And he beat one of them hookers and stuff like that. I missed out that little information and stuff like that, though. So it turns out that the SVU had a blunder in the case and all that stuff. And then IAB had to grill him for that, though. So, um... So I just wanted to find out, do you agree if that the um, 
the season, this season, this episode called "Runaway" was the worst episode. Share me your thoughts, and um, I'll try to figure out why they had to like um, not never put that the season two episode secrets in the rotation. I mean, like my TV or something like that, though. Hmm. There's something. Is there a conspiracy going on around here? Well, I don't know. You know what I was thinking, though? For the past couple of weeks, I wanted to have an interview with the former showrunner of, of Law & Order SVU, Neil Baer. And I want to ask him a few questions and all that stuff. And I, and, and I want to ask him if, um, you know, the IAB interrogation scenes were a reshoot. That's what I was just guessing. So I want Neil Baer on that show, man. Come on. Holler at me. Find me on Twitter. I mean, you can find me on Twitter. It's on this. It's on um, BDR two thirteen. I mean, I post my episodes on. Uh, uh, I put my. I post my episodes of Twisted on Spotify every week. So holla at me. Follow me, on Twitter. All right. So, and speaking about that though, that's my time for the day, and I'll be back next week for the new episode. So you can find um, Twisted. Uh, Law and Order SVU podcast available on Spotify and Anchor FM and on website WordPress. You know, you just go to Twisted Law and Order SVU podcast on WordPress.com. And I post um, episodes every week on uh, Twitter. I'm trying to put it up on Facebook and stuff like that, though. We'll find out. So, all right. So, um, thank you for listening in, and I'll be back next week. And this program has been recorded.